Ow now, brown cow. Ow now, brown cow. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow, yellow. Red, le- red leather, That's yellow C. leather. Yep, Is that it? There you go. Yep. Any other exercises? Sally sells seashells by the seashore. Sally sells she. Sally sells seashells by the seashore. There you go. All right, I'm warmed up. This is the Pipe It Up podcast. Here we go. Cue the intro. All right, I'm sorry, guys. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm I'm quite exhausted today. It's been a uh, it was a long weekend. You know, the the work week, long work week, long MLW week. Then we got a long tournament weekend. I got to fill in Jack here on uh, what went down this weekend over there at Peoria, Illinois at the uh, Midwest Slugfest. It was quite the weekend. I guess I'll get into it. But um, we're here. We're getting up another banger. Absolutely. And um, Jack, before I get into the tournament details, uh, how you doing this week? Anything? Any new changes in life? Um, Always got to get the weekly update from yeah, Jack. Yeah. Uh, nothing new. We uh, I'm leaving for school soon mm-hmm. here in a couple of days, Sad. which is uh, bittersweet as mm-hmm. always. But um, just one more year. I'll be done with that. No more school for me, mm-hmm. which is which will be cool. Had a good weekend, played a little bit of golf, hung out with some family. I yeah, mean, man. I definitely I miss portions of school, and then there's portions of school I don't miss at all. Mostly the I mostly miss the not school part, and then I yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Cause I don't like, miss the school part, but I feel at the end of the year I'm like so happy school is done, right? But then mm-hmm. I get to around this time August and. I feel like you're ready. It's I'm kind of ready to just be mentally challenged, you know, as something a little bit like okay. get my brain working, get a br- my, and that's how I feel right now. But then I know, like, two weeks into it, and I got my mm-hmm. first big paper due. Them now, I'm reminiscing yeah, back like, to summer I feel like when that, I didn't have anything. I feel like to that do. comes in phases. Like yeah. for me personally, a lot. Like because like when you're bored and like not motivated to do anything, sometimes you feel like a loser and you're yeah. like, what am I doing here? Exactly. But then sometimes when you're like overwhelmed or maybe you don't like the work you're doing, you like hate that too. Right. It's like hard to find that balance. But I mean, I was there for sure. Like <laughs> I was a good student. I did my homework and stuff. I don't know how like, looking back on it, but man, oh man, it's hard to find that balance. Cause like you said, you want to be mentally challenged because or else you're like feeling like a loser in life. But then sometimes it's like, okay, this it's is, like this anything. Sucks. You got to obviously exercise a little bit in some capacity, mm-hmm. no matter, you know, who you are. Mm-hmm. And you got to exercise your brain, too. That's important. You, you definitely do. Sometimes people sleep on that. When you sit there and watch YouTube like for hours. Yeah. And if I like go to bed that night, first of all, I'd like even though you're tired, like you don't want to sleep. Your brain's not tired. That's probably well, why that blue light tricks you. That that phone. too. That too. And it's just like, I don't know, I definitely, even on days where I've had longer days, maybe I wake doing stuff, like, if it wasn't productive, like, I feel like I'd never sleep as good either. Like you said, your brain hasn't been worked out, and you're not, you're not ready to go to, go to bed yet. You haven't done anything. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I don't know, that's just my, my two cents on it. But, yeah, good luck at school, Jack. We're going to miss you deeply here. Um, at Pipe It Up. Jack, I don't think we'll be going anywhere. We're going to work it out. Probably should have already worked that out, but we, we'll, we'll figure we it out moving forward. I do have something up my sleeve for episode 60 that may or may not involve Jack, which he doesn't even know what I'm talking about yet. Okay. But Jack will be on. We'll, uh, we'll get him some equipment, and we'll, we'll figure it out. Nice. And uh, So I'm looking forward to the future of Pipe It Up as we move into the fall of 2021 here. But um, let's talk about the Midwest Slugfest. Um, did you at least see the pictures on Instagram and stuff like that as to what went down, or are you just fresh, that you I just saw ready all, for information? I saw all the coverage on, ML, or, uh, on Instagram, rather. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. Looked like an absolute blast. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, I wasn't able to go, but I I have been to a few of these tournaments, and mm-hmm. if any of you guys haven't been to them, 
it's really just such an awesome atmosphere. You get to meet, you know, all the guys in the MLW hanging around, um, just, you know, talking shop. And you get to see some good whiff. You get to see some do. people of all ages. I think it's fun to watch the younger kids because, like we've talked about before, sometimes uh, the game of wiffle ball can be a little bit of an equalizer when it comes to age. Oh, and, absolutely. You know, you can, if you're 10 years old, you can still throw a slider. So mm-hmm. um, it's pretty cool to see that stuff. But, yeah, I want to hear about uh, how it went overall, Tom. Yeah, it was excellent. Um, my, it was my first time going to the Illinois tor- tournament. I was not able to go to the Louisville Slugger Sports Complex last year, so uh, I met a lot of new people. Even though so this I, is the second time in this spot. This is a, this is our second annual. Um, nice. I, I think I think um, I wouldn't say it's too ambitious to say we're going to be looking at a third annual next year. We have a pretty good relationship with that facility, but um, yeah, there was a lot of returning players, which is awesome. It's always a compliment to us when people come back. That means I had fun the previous year, you know. But um, the competition really um, struck me as impressive, especially at the 10 to 12 age group. Okay. Like, I've, I mean, I guess maybe for me, because at these tournaments, I'm usually umping, like, the older guys, like, semifinals and championship games, so I miss it a lot. Mm-hmm. But these kids in the semifinals and finals, the 10 to 12 age division, were just throwing heat, man. Just pumping it in there with movement, too. Like, the kids, they one, the one kid on the winning team at 10 years old, the Nukes, this kid had a drop ball, like, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's hard, too, because the z- strike zones are big. Some of those kids are pretty right. small. It's, like, at their eyes or, like, above it even. So this kid's throwing a drop ball off the top of the PVC pipe, and I'm like, holy cow, this yeah. kid is an animal. They ended up winning, like I said. No, but it was that, awesome. That bigger strike zone definitely messed me up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to adjust to it big time. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I'm used to the MLW one, mm-hmm. and I'll be looking at a pitch like, this is way outside. Yeah. I'll just ping the top corner. Just it's like, frustrating. So it's frustrating, yeah. yeah. It's It's difficult because we get a lot of different skill levels at these tournaments from point a to point b zero to 100 and for guys that are at point a point zero um they struggle to throw any strikes despite how big the zone is but then for the guys that are at point b already um sometimes it's like this is unfair as, as a as a hitter like right. i can't do anything with this right so it's hard to find that perfect balance and as we grow and expand and um these tournaments become more and more professional like Maybe we'll have enough teams and enough demand to where we can kind of separate like amateur from pro type thing. But it's it's cool now to see like the blend of how everything goes. What do you think about the different? Or you can kind of explain a little bit of the rules in mm-hmm. terms of like the hitting and and base running and stuff. But um, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like pros and cons. Um. Well, yeah. If you guys are not aware, we play more of a conventional style of wiffle ball at these tournaments. It actually has a name. It might be Indian rules. I can't remember what it's called. But um. Anyway, I might have made that up. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's basically like you you have your pitcher, you have an infielder, you have an outfielder. You have a pitcher and two fielders, just like MLW. However, there's no base running. You know, it's just the lines on the ground. You have a singles line, you have a doubles line farther back, a triples off the wall in the air, and then you have your home runs over the fence. So I'd say pros of that are um, less controversy in terms of guys, you know, running bases and people um with questionable calls like umping like with pegging or like close plays at first base and stuff like that mm-hmm. it creates a lot less controversy um i think another pro is it speeds up the game it can move a little faster when you don't have guys on the bases jogging back and forth to get in the box and people are getting exhausted stuff like that so i'd say those two um are big ones um i'd say cons of that would be you know base running can be fun it can create some chaos in the mm-hmm. game of wiffle ball as we've seen a lot you know yeah Things can happen with errors and like throwing errors or people getting too aggressive on the bases, people throwing the ball around and being stupid. So you lose that element a little bit. 
Um, but however, I think um, moving forward with these tournaments, w at the, to get them to the level that we want to, I think this is the the, the best way, the best way to go about it. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm no genius, you know. We're right. we're figuring this out as we go. So if you guys have any ideas, especially if you were there, if you were at or have been to an MLW tournament, or something you think that you loved, or maybe you wanted to see you done differently, absolutely hit us up. Let us know. How long did that uh, home run derby take? That line was oh out to Oh, my God. <laughs> that thing was long. It really was. I So, yeah, we set it up, and originally it was going to be on one field. And I was thinking, I'm like, there's a lot of kids, and I've been getting a lot of questions about it. I was like, let's do two fields. So Kyle, Mr. Schultz, and I were like, yeah, let's, let's do two fields. And we worked out the logistics of it within a couple minutes. And then, you know, we get going, and I look down the line, and I'm like, I can't even see the end of it because of the way the line is going straight back, and I'm focused on the fields, and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> so then I was like, Caden, Caden Irwin was there. I was like, let's get a third field going because we're going to be here until wow. 8 p.m. So we ended up having three fields all going at the same time. It still took a good half hour, 40 were minutes. Were you giving them 10 outs? 10 outs, oh. not 10 swings. 10 swings would have had too many ties, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we gave them 10 outs. Wow. But yeah, so the derby was cool. We didn't do the der we did not do the derbies last year just due to uh, uh, everything going on with the pandemic, stuff like that. We wanted to just get people into the facility, get them out, play the wiffle ball, and nothing beyond that. So it was cool to bring Straight that to back. Business. It was strictly business last year, and this year we had a lot of fun for sure. A lot of MLW guys made the trip. Um, people that come to mind were a lot of the Diamondbacks players: Jimmy Norp, Jonah Heath, Michael Shima. Um, they were all there. I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. That team brought home a title, didn't they? And they did bring home the title as well. That's a good showing for MLW. It is. It is. It's not easy. Let me tell no. you something. It's not easy. It's a little bit different style of play. Um, the unscuffed balls, as well as the strike zone adjustments, the distance adjustments. So it's not easy, and it's impressive. And it, it's brave it, for it, um, the MLW people to play in these tournaments. I feel like because it's oh. almost, it's almost a lose lose. It's like this okay, is, if you win, congrats. This is mm -hmm. your tournament. Yep. But if you lose, then it's like wow, you guys are doing this, you know, semi-professionally slash yeah. professionally, and that's pretty embarrassing. I was having this conversation with a group of parents, um, actually, yesterday um, in the morning. And I was talking about, I was like, yeah, as a player, I was like, I absolutely, I'm thrilled that kids are, like, excited to watch me play. And, like, the fact that people want to sit here and watch me play with football and have been waiting to do this for weeks or months is, like, pretty special. But I was like, how do I win? Yeah. What, what do I do that, that wins for them? You know, they, if I play great, it's like, wow, like, wow, he's really good. And they, th they think they already knew that. If I go right. out there and play bad, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, I, I don't think I'm going to like wow them with how I play. They're expecting me to play good. Right. And if I play bad, it's like, well, is this league legit or not? Like, there's definitely an element of pressure there. For, for sure. sure. For yeah. sure. There's no, there's an expectation that we are good. In which we are good. I'm not saying we're not yeah. good. But, um... You know, this is something this, ball, we are we are, happen, an, we are so. an independent standing wiffle ball league out of Brighton, Michigan. I'm not going to sit here and say, yep, I'm the best pitcher in the nation. Because <laughs> let me tell you, no. there's a lot of people that are playing wiffle ball off camera. Yes, <laughs> that's a are. fact. That is an absolute fact. So it's really cool to see how the talent come out. And you realize how many people do play off camera. And you hear yeah. about people who know about the league. You know, they've been watching for how long, what teams they like what pitches they try to learn, like, oh, I've been trying to work on Jimmy's drop, and I like Kyle's riser, and I've been learning all these things. So it's just really, 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 um, you know, wild to see in person, I think. It's hard, awesome. it's hard to describe. I don't know. It's, I mean, we've discussed this exact topic before, but I'll, I'll hammer it home again. Like, it's hard to realize the impact that you have on people when you're just looking at numbers online, yeah. if that makes sense. Yes. So. You got to see them face-to-face, shake their hand, mm -hmm. sign a bat or two. I'm like... 
shaky right now podcast. I'm like, I don't know Use if that's water. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I told you, I'm like really tired, <laughs> dehydrated. <laughs> I probably should take a water break. I don't know. I also had chilies. My sister was home for a dentist appointment. She doesn't live at home. And she had to make the hour trip home for dental dental uh, obligations. Okay. We went out to dinner, and maybe I didn't eat enough at Chili's. I don't know, but I'm like trembling at the microphone here. What was, what's know. your go-to at what's Chili's? Oh, first of all, us here at MLW like Chili's. A lot of us do. Yeah. I mean, it's just a. It's not the like Diamondbacks might as well buy a franchise. They might as well at this point. If we Chili's. can, if we can get the revenue up on the channel. Yeah. That might be in the cards for MLWs to own some Chili's mm-hmm. under the MLW umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Today I actually got salmon there, which is kind of weird. But it was, I actually it was had good. salmon tonight for dinner too. It was good, salmon, broccoli, and rice. But I usually get quesadillas or the Cajun pasta there with shrimp or chicken. It's very good. good. It's good stuff. It's very good. It's just chilies, places like that, franchises. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Yep, it's a five star restaurant. It's amazing food," but it gets the job done. You know, yeah. it's good. It's a meal cooked by somebody else. You it, go out there, you socialize. Knows its role. Absolutely, it knows its role. Absolutely, and I'm and not a picky eater either, so I'm easy to please. Yeah, they execute. So. Bottom line. Bottom line is they execute. We did the classic, um, speaking of restaurants, the classic. Every every MLW tournament, we always go to a steakhouse, and it's it's like a tradition now at this point. I think Daniel Schultz is the one who started it started it and enforces it because that's the <laughs> only place he ever wants to eat is at a steakhouse, so that we, we continue that tradition this weekend. But moving forward to next weekend, now we got Wiffle in the Mitten back-to-back here. So I'm looking forward to that one too. Back-to-back. See, seeing the hometown crowd, hopefully some new faces as well. A lot of MLW guys are going to be there again. I wish uh, Mr. Swagner here was going to be there, but he'll be across the uh, across the country. Duty calls, guys. Apologies. Duty calls. You got to pick up the phone. That's how it goes. Got to pick it up. But um, speaking of Jack heading out of town, let's uh, let's cut over to uh, today's cue of the day. Cue. of the day. Kind of an unintended, seamless transition here, but today's question of the day comes from Josh Steven on Instagram. Josh underscore M17. Thank you for the question, Josh. If you'd like to submit a question yourself, please submit them to at Pipe It Up MLW on Instagram. And Josh happens to be from Warwick, Rhode Island. Oh. Warwick. You familiar with that town? Yeah. Okay. So he also has a ton of family in Michigan, though, so he makes yearly trips out here as well. So what he wants to know, Jack, is your overall thoughts on the state of Rhode Island. We can compare that to Michigan as well. And I've never mm. been there, so this is, this is the floor is yours. Okay. Well. Great question, Josh. Yeah, great question, first of all. Um, I, would, I would compare in terms of, in terms of weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty comparable. We get sort of the lake effect, if you will, from the Great Lakes when it comes to, like, precipitation. Like, a lot of times we get hit with a lot of snow here okay. and rain, and the, the lakes have a factor in that. And Rhode mm-hmm. Island obviously being so close to the ocean. Yep. Tons of nor'eastern stores up there. Mm-hmm. Um uh as far as like the scenery and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Michigan has a lot of more like inland lakes and stuff. Yep. Um Rhode Island's obviously small. Very so small. So very small. Um but they have beautiful you know trails and um, I don't know if mountains would really be the right word, but there are some elevated places you can yeah, I mean, hike and stuff. I know like mountains are huge, but like there's yeah. places where you can have a nice view of like hills yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I would also say that Rhode Island beats Michigan when it comes to food because Michigan doesn't really have like 
a staple like this is from Michigan. I mean, maybe you could say like cherries. I got I've got um, one thing from Michigan, but I wouldn't consider it to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, but the, the Coney dog. <laughs> okay, the Coney dog. Yeah, so that's Coney like our, our claim to fame. That is, is our like claim a Coney to fame. dog, which might not even be ours, but they do have good ones here. No, I think it's I think but I think Coney Islands are a Michigan. Is thing. it okay? Yeah. Well, we'll give it to them. Um, but Rhode Island, the food is is awesome. I mean, if you want seafood, some of the best places oh, in the country yes. are in Providence on Federal Hill. Uh, it's it's um, they're really known for their culinary for sure. That sounds amazing. Yeah, Michigan doesn't really have like I said. We have Coney Islands, Coney dogs, mm-hmm. a, a greasy hot dog covered in yeah. chili, mustard, and onions. What a great meal that is! But I mean, yeah. they are good in moderation. But <laughs> well, it's no uh, it's no uh, Rhode Island seafood. I'm sure the. Uh, the other thing that's obvious is just like the people and mm-hmm. uh, their accents. That's one big thing. The Rhode Island accent is uh, the Rhode Island accent is uh, it's very thick. Thick. Um, like are you talking about like New York style type it's thing or like I, I I'm really not going to do an impersonation because I'll yeah. butcher it and yeah. then someone's going to be like that mm-hmm. was New York and yeah. I don't want to do it. But the the Midwestern is typically people if they're making fun of you they're gonna mm-hmm. like probably plug their nose and talk because we sort Us, of talk kind of like nasally, nasally. Mm-hmm. and um oh. out out there it's just like I mean you know it's just an East Coastern accent there's obviously yeah. different dialects between like Boston and Providence they but all got their own it's all kind of the same I got their own twang that and it's weird. interesting uh you know just how small Rhode Island is how many people there have just like never left like they've never traveled really mm-hmm. or you know aren't really interested in going to other states mm-hmm. i had a lady cut my hair one time and somehow just chit-chatting with you know the barber as you do and uh she told me she had never been out of the state of rhode island and you said it's like an hour drive and isn't it from i mean end? i don't yeah don't quote me but like from top to bottom it can't be more than like it's definitely under two hours wow that's crazy and and uh, I've I've had instances where you know I've been like to Rhode Islanders like oh I don't really want to drive that far anymore and it'd be like a twenty five minute drive it'd be like oh it's too far and they're like oh you're becoming a, a yeah, real Rhode Islander you really now. are like, you don't wow. want to drive like that far and then I'm like oh yeah like I kind of am <laughs> like my drive here was <laughs> longer than twenty five minutes yeah. and it's like no I just big drove deal six to me. and a half hours both ways yeah but it just like I don't know it's not like you're out there and you're like oh my gosh this state is so small I well, feel no. like it's small but um, you know, there's, we, when we go to Chick-fil-A, we have to go, we go to Massachusetts. That's like the closest one. Yeah. So we like cross state lines to go to what's, Chick-fil-A. And what's the uh, population like there? Like, is it densely populated or is there also a lot of space still, even how, with, even with how small it is? Um, there's definitely like Providence is obviously a pretty big city, but, um, there's some rural areas for there's. sure. I, I think I, I wouldn't say it's like untapped but there's definitely parts in rhode island where i think you could you know build up some like affordable real mm-hmm. estate actually just because it's like i don't know people people instead of buying their house there they buy it in the cape in massachusetts or yeah. like somewhere in new jersey on a beach but mm-hmm. there's you know there's beautiful beaches and um yeah overall i would i like the state i've enjoyed my four years there um, that's cool. I wouldn't put it over Michigan just because I think Michigan has more to offer, but I love the state as a whole. Yeah, it's it's. I never, I never been out there, and I don't know like I don't know when I'll ever get there. To be honest with you, you I have to, to like Providence, go there. Like, like it's not like you're just like you're driving end up through in Rhode it. Island. Yeah, because yeah, like, it's really it's like as far to the coast. 
Yeah, and I wouldn't. You never really end up there unless like you knew someone who lived there, or like you intentionally were like, let's go to Providence for the weekend. Right. Like, you're not gonna end up there for probably any other event or yeah. something like that. There's no. I will say I love like that small aspect when it comes to the airport because Providence's airport is really small and mm -hmm. it's always like so nice going in there. I don't know if you've but, ever been in like a smaller airport. No, I never have. It's like you know you fly out of like Detroit. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. There's like three terminals yeah. and it's it's a massive airport this one you literally mm -hmm. walk in the front and there's you know 10 <laughs> security lines maybe really? that's it and you walk in and i've never had a problem there and that now, makes traveling smooth especially obviously going back and forth are you Michigan. usually then catching a connecting a connecting flight so i would say like 50 50 it kind of just depends mm -hmm. um my mom actually used to be a travel agent so she's real good at like finding mm -hmm. affordable flights and stuff with good times so sometimes um, I'll have a connector, usually down in uh, Baltimore, and then mm -hmm. come to Michigan. Okay. But um, a lot of them are just straight through. That's pretty sweet. And I've, I've also driven out there twice a year, every year, to move in and out because I have like a stuff. lot of stuff. Yep. And um, shout out to my mom; she's a road warrior. She always comes. Road picks warrior, me up. Mrs. Agner. Yep. I haven't spoken to that lady in probably over a decade, but saint. nice, nice woman from what I remember. Absolute saint. Absolute saint. All right. Thank you, Jake, for that question and. You're welcome to the person who said we only talk about Michigan too much. That, yes. That was just for you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually thought it was an intriguing question because I'd never been to Rhode Island and I honestly wanted to learn a little bit more. So, yeah, that was cool. But let's get back into the whiffs. This is a wiffle ball podcast and whatnot. And um, another epic series was posted last Friday, Cobras versus Predators. Right um, on cue. Definitely check that out if you haven't seen it already. But um, to my surprise, Cobras took it from the Preds 2-1. to one. Dirty Cobras. And another, do it again. The Cobras do it again, and they always do it when you least expect it, I feel like. And uh, they, once again, in back-to-back -back series of the Meadows, have attracted the tornadoes in, in Livingston County that we <laughs> live in, which is absolutely wild, considering that's never happened to us in 11 years, and now it's happened twice in one season, where the tornado sirens have been going off. But despite that, despite the rain, the wind, everything else, was this a surprise to you as well? Did you have the Preds in this one? Um... <sighs> Yeah, I would have like if I if you told me I had to you know I had to pick one for sure I probably would have went with the Predators. Mm -hmm. um, I th I think that you know Ryan's Ryan Crash's record now doesn't look great, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think you can honestly say it's all his fault. I think that the Preds it's been a bad combination of Ryan maybe giving up a few runs and not getting any support back. Mm -hmm. You know, wiffle ball, if you give up four runs, the game that game's not over. You know, you can no. score runs very quickly. You just need some hits to go your way, and I think mm -hmm. they haven't necessarily been giving them the support. They also, I think, got a couple unlucky bounces. I mean, I don't think I've seen a home run off that right foul pole ever, yeah. like literally hit the foul pole yeah, ever, I, I and the first there were the two Meadows. of them yeah. in that series, which was crazy. Like, you know, you see something new every series, I swear. Yeah. Um, first thing that comes in my head here, and this is just what's fresh in my memory, so it could be even worse, or maybe some things that went their way, but Ryan Cratch pitched game one in that series and lost, and pitched game two in that, or game three in that series and lost. Yes. Both pretty much due to those pesky right field, like line drive, not hit extremely hard. Well, not hit extremely deep home runs. Yes. Barron's was hit very hard, but just not like up yes. in the air. But. And then, so that's two losses there that were by the margin of inches. Yeah. I also hit, in my opinion, a, kind of a cheap home run against them as well in the first game we played against them where I thought it was like a pop-up to right field and it ended up going over, and that um, that gave us the win against mm -hmm. Ryan there too. So 
yeah, just one of those things that um, the ball hasn't been bouncing his way a little bit. But um, you could also argue that maybe he's giving the hitters just a little bit too much opportunity to make things like that happen. So I don't know. I think it was. I it's mean, tough. It's tough to remain dominant in this league. It really is. You gotta. Yeah. You really gotta evolve. Is what I'm learning um, as I've been moving through. And um, Ryan has added a few things to his arsenal. He's, he's been throwing a knuckleball a little bit this year. But um, you know, the longer you pitch in this league, the more the guys see you, and the more they can get around to you as time That's passes. True. I think obviously, you know, positives for both both teams. Great to see the Cobras like full lineup there. Yeah, I think that's, minus that's, that's Sean. Them. Um, but great to see their full lineup there. You know, when they when they put it together, they they can be a scary team. Mm-hmm. And uh, positive for the Preds would definitely just have to be Stephen McGlade just continuing to impress his first year on the mound and. Um, you know, come come playoff time, that second arm can make a big difference. So Absolutely. they they uh, I know Alec has to be happy with Steven's performance thus far. Mm-hmm. And to my surprise, McGlade actually did not have too much trouble navigating the whole speed limit thing. Yeah, he, that's his impressive. Ball, I mean, his ball looks to the to the eye test. His ball does look fast. I'll be honest, but like I said, this this pocket radar is displaying the fastest velocity it detects. He must have a slower arm, maybe a quicker wrist, that kind of thing. It could be, you know, that could affect it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this radar is so accurate, you know, that you could say like plus or minus, like point. It's like extremely it's accurate. Right there. So it's the, facts are, the facts are there. And to those of you who are freaking out in the comments when Kyle posted about that, like, oh, this is ruining the league, all that stuff, you could tell in that series it didn't really affect anything at all. Yeah. We, we, we didn't set the speed limit trying to slow guys down because almost everybody – Pretty much everybody was abiding by the rules already that we wanted them to be, which was like just giving hitters an actual chance, you know what I mean, yes. without trying to gas it by them. So we we created the speed limit accordingly. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was never like we got to slow everyone down. We want home runs every at bat. There's nothing. And like we that. always had a speed exactly. limit. Exactly. It, it was just, just we didn't. Ha- it was yeah. just the eye test. Mm-hmm. And so it was very easy for pitchers. You know, say they're in a jam. Say they got a couple guys on base or bases are loaded, but mm-hmm. they got two outs. And they sort of pump one in there for strike yeah. three, and then that's the end of the inning. And, and how do you like, enforce how that? How do you now? enforce that yeah, now? That's but, why the radar. But now so we good. got a radar, so if they've had a warning in that inning and they pump one in there, then mm-hmm. you know now now we don't have to argue about it. That's mm-hmm. that's really what we were trying to minimize. You know. Yes, absolutely. And for those of you who are interested in that and want to learn more about the technology, you can just do a Google search pocket radar. I believe their website's pocketradar.com, and you can check it out. The one we have is the uh, the smart coach system and the smart display. So you can look at all the you know the technical specs of it and all that kind of stuff. But it's a it's a very good system, and um, we've been loving it so far. You guys have not seen like obviously a lot of content that we've, that we've made with it. So it's been a it's been a great addition to the league. I think probably one that the players have appreciated the most in, in recent history. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think so. It was sure. it was long overdue. Absolutely. So it's been a cool implementation nonetheless. But all right, let's get into now our weekly ad read, and we are going back once again to the Backyard Football League. This is a cool one. I really, really enjoy this storyline, this league, everything about it. So let me get the script out here again. It is the Backyard Football League, as I said. It is a three-on-three flag football league based out of New England, dating back to the fall of 2019, over 25 unique teams featuring over 150 different athletes have competed to win the all-coveted title of BFL champions. Varying from 8 to 16 teams competing in the past three years, their league features a mix of returning and new teams each season. This past summer, 10 teams battled for the title. All videos can be found on their Instagram, 
official backyard football. Stay tuned. Their backyard Super Bowl video will be coming out, or is out, I should say, August 21st. So go check out that video right now. Go check that out. Absolutely. Jack just took a little potty break there in the middle of that ad. Real if you heard quick. the uh, toilet flush in the Real background. I, hope, I was hoping the funny. audio didn't pick that <laughs> no, up. No, no, no. It's all good. <laughs> it's funny. It definitely didn't. But uh, yeah, you got you to collect. When nature calls, like when duty calls. Duty, duty calls, calls. you pick up the phone. That's school. When nature calls, you got to pick up the phone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jack, you got any stories this week? Um, I mean, you know, if you don't, it's all good. I, can, I got a story that um, popped into my head for absolutely no reason. but Just now? Um, no, this was a few days ago, but okay. I wrote it down in my notes for oh, a possible thing to talk about. Wow, he's prepared. He's prepared. Yeah, just because it, uh, it relates to sports, and um, I think it's a good lesson for, for young kids. Check them out. There's a cumulonimbus coming in from the western front. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this is, if I'm remembering correctly, this was um, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. I was playing lacrosse. I played lacrosse for uh, Heartland Youth. Um, Trader. Shout out all <laughs> those coaches. Heartland is our, like... A neighboring city of, of Brighton where we live. Yeah, that's a whole different story to get into that as we to why. To. But we, we don't, don't need to. to get into that. But, um, yeah, so this is a story, uh, you know, I'm not a big I'm not a big trash talker when it comes to sports. Okay. Some people, you know, even pros, obviously, will mm-hmm. see some guys trash talking kind of fuels them. Mm-hmm. Um, gets them going, gets them in the mindset they need, makes yeah, them perform I, better. I agree, I agree. I was always more the guy to... Um, you know, talk to my team and just let my play sort of do the talking. But mm-hmm. this is a story of a particular instance where I let my emotions get the best of me on a okay. sports field. Okay, I like it. And so we're playing Howell, another rival in mm-hmm. our in our area in Livingston County. And there's two kids on the team that are literally half my size. Like I was kind of big like for size. a sixth grader. <laughs> yeah. Pretty like, much like I pretty much like grade, you yeah. right now compared yeah. to me. Yep. Um, maybe even a little smaller. And mm-hmm. um, these kids from the very start of the game, I have no idea why. Didn't know who the kids were, but both of them were um, basically verbally and physically like assaulting me on the field. Like mm-hmm. when I say physically assaulting me, I mean like they're they're committing penalties. Yeah. And the ref is like not calling them. He's not seeing them. They're doing it like when mm. the ref is not looking to yeah. particularly make me mad. Mm-hmm. They're you know flashing signs of profanity. They're saying profanity mm-hmm. profanity to me. And this is like in sixth grade too, yeah. right? You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, come on, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. So basically, it gets to the point where the kid says one more thing to me, and now it's like. Now I'm now I'm really angry yeah. now and I this has never happened to me ever mm-hmm. um, and I'm really mad so I basically tell my coach like I see the kid go into the game and one of the kids and I go put me in the game 
<laughs> and the coach is like, the coach literally looks at me. He's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. I'm like, just put me in the game. Oh, so no. 12-year-old Jack on a mission. This kid, uh, there's a shot to their goalie. He saves it. And the kid is breaking out upfield, mm-hmm. sort of looking back. And in football, what you would relate this to is what they call a hospital pass. <laughs> so like a pass <laughs> over the middle of the field. Yeah, I know and exactly. the wide receiver is looking for the ball. And the safety, com- safety comes over and just takes the kids. Yeah. Takes the, takes the wide receiver's head off. Yep. So... Like I said, this kid's half my size, mm-hmm. but the speed and force that I hit this kid was like oh, I was no. trying to hit someone who was twice my size. Yeah. So this kid literally just like flops around like a rag doll mm-hmm. on the field, slides like five yards, literally slides off the field because it was like oh. on the sideline. And this poor kid. This was like, you know. I'm, now it's like I hear parents yeah, in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. The ref is like all over me. My yeah. coach is like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, <laughs> and I like I'm I usually pride myself on my sportsmanship, mm-hmm. and this was one time where I just like had to had to let some yeah. emotion out. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the <laughs> it was, you know, we ended up winning the game. They were not that great of a team, and luckily that penalty didn't come back to uh, to bite my team mm-hmm. and hurt my team, um, but. That's really the lesson from this story I would give because oftentimes in sports, you know, whether it's trash talking or you're just out of pure frustration because you're not doing well, Mm -hmm. uh, it's easy to sort of lose sight of the game and do something selfish uh, to your team, which is what I did. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's that's not what team sports is about. Um, You got to be a team player. You want to put your team in spots spots to succeed. And the funniest part of the story, like to just – emphasize how bad this hit was i got to the car and my dad my dad said i'm so glad that you took your jersey off first because i thought there were going to be parents like trying to fight you in the parking lot so you took it off so like i got off off the sideline Mm -hmm. i took my jersey off like took my pads off yeah but like some kids just grab their bag and walk to the walk to the thing and do it in the car Mm mm-hmm but I like took everything off first and like got out of there kind of quick. Yeah. He's like, I'm so happy you did that because <laughs> I literally think that parents were like going to be out here trying to fight you. Oh my god, this poor kid. So we're was you know, he was he okay or did he get injured too? No, he was okay. He was just okay. shaking up. Just run he his was bell. just shaking up. Just I mean, if I was bit. him, I probably wouldn't have played lacrosse again. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did really flatten this kid. But I that, that's ever... I just wanted to you know bring that up. That's a vulnerable story. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm given a a flaw that i had in my in my career but i learned from it Mm -hmm. um never since then have i really had my emotions get the best of me to that point where i did something selfish for my team but that's that's the lesson of the day guys is no matter what you can take some deep breaths dial back calm down and uh and don't do something that could jeopardize your team hey we've seen it i saw it plenty of times this weekend even with the with that same kind of age range, like the 12, 13, 14-year-old kids where something doesn't go their way, maybe the other team's talking, and then that, like just the, the multiplying issues to where maybe you made one mistake or maybe like someone was getting in your head, and then you let that lead to more mistakes. Yes. It's never never a good thing. I can recall, I'll tell a nice vulnerable story. Jack, you've inspired me to open up. Nice, and, and here tell, we go. Honestly, an embarrassing story, but I'll tell it. Um, this was, you know, games, you, you can remember... Well, for me, I'm, I guess I'm more of a pessimistic person sometimes. So I guess sometimes you remember your, your bad moments in sports sometimes more than your good moments. Yeah. But they, they both stick with you. But um, 
ever since I was, you know, eight years old playing travel baseball till varsity, I would 100% say that my my hitting was mediocre, beyond mediocre. Had my few good seasons, had a few really bad seasons, but overall mediocre. And then, but my my like fielding, infielding especially, like was always the best on the team, no matter where I went. Now I remember on JV, so I was a sophomore. I was second baseman, played every game. Um, we were probably already over halfway through the season, and I had not made an error yet. And like I knew that in my head, but like when you're confident, it's so easy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you can, there's a difference in baseball between physical and mental errors, right? So we were playing a decent team, a lot of big players, a lot of talented guys. It was against Northville, Jack, you know Northville. Mm-hmm. And I just made a physical error. Like it wasn't like I was confident, everything. I wasn't even like thinking twice about like whether I was going to make the play or not. But it was like, I want to say it was in the fifth inning at that time out of a six inning game. Mm-hmm. And I just made an error at second base. Like it was a tough hop. It ended up like hitting me in the knee and I didn't make the play. Now, like you don't think that affects you subconsciously, but it definitely does. It ruins your confidence, right. that kind of thing. So then the following inning, I go back out to second base, and like, like I said, I wasn't really thinking about it actively, but I knew, like, oh, I no longer have an error-free season, that kind of thing. I feel like almost there. I was probably three-quarters of the way through. And then I had another ball that was kind of a tougher play, but it was, like, up the middle. I had to backhand it and then flip to second, and I botched that one, too. So now there's two errors back-to-back. Then literally the very next batter hits, like, a routine ground ball to me at second base, not a far throw. I had to, like, range a little bit, and I just airmailed the throw. So now it's three errors in one game. Literally, I bl- wow. I bl- I'm not kidding you. I blew the game because there was base runners on. Wow. I literally lost this game for us. Completely my fault. And I was like, oh, my God. Like that, Then you just feel terrible because they're yeah. like, I made three errors. I was perfect. And now I just – the multiplying errors thing. So that's another thing I would say, too, is don't let your emotions get the best of you from another opposing teammate, but also don't beat yourself up over one thing. Yeah. You got to have the short-term memory. Right. The adage is don't mm-hmm. let one mistake become two. Mm-hmm. The same thing kind of happened to me – that was probably, I'm not sure if I've made an error the rest of the way. It might have been that one day. It was a horrible day. You hit the reset button. I hit the reset button, but in. it was bad. There you and go. then senior year, kind of the same thing happened to me where I hadn't made an error all season, and it was even cl- farther along this time, like two weeks to go. And then once again, I made a physical error, not a mental error, because I was so confident at third base at the time. And then, then within, so from the time I made the physical error to the end of the season, two weeks later, I think I finished with like three total errors. So I made two more. It's the confidence thing. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, So um, I would just say be confident and don't remember your bad place. Remember your good place right. while you're out there. That's right. Um, shout out. That that made me think of uh, another thing I did over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Just so happened to flip on the Tigers game. Oh. And two batters after I flip on the game, mm-hmm. Miguel Cabrera hits his 500th 500. home run. Mm-hmm. So quick shout out to Miguel Cabrera. But that game... It's the top of the ninth. I didn't watch this game. So this is it's new the top of the ninth, and we are down two to one. Mm-hmm. We're down two to one. The Tigers are playing the Blue Jays, and Marcus Simeon, one of the best players on the Blue Jays, probably one of the better second basemen in the league, mm-hmm. uh, has a has a routine, like so routine ball hit to him at second that he has it in his hand for probably yeah. way too long. Oh. And this is this is for the third out of the game. That's what I ended it. He just one hops it to mm-hmm. Vladdy, and we ended up getting a run around. He's thinking about it. That's He's why. thinking about it. And the Tigers went on to go and win in extra innings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even the, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> it you does. Know what I mean, that's their like stud player, routine play. He's made. See, but to me, tens like, of thousands of times. I would. 
I I cannot speak for him at all, but see, I would categorize that as a mental error. It was absolutely just because a like error. it was the last out of the game. He definitely knew that, and you said he was holding onto the ball for a long time. Like he caught like it, it, and it didn't. You know, he didn't like really step into his throw like he, he kinda, would. Like, double, double he kind of like grabbed then. it, like did a little clutch in his hand, then threw it, yeah, and just one hopped it. I was like, I played third base, and and this is at varsity level. I played two years at third base, and. I was the guy who would literally field the ground ball, step like I was never like the one to clutch it in my glove again, and then like fire it over. Yeah, I would just treat it like I was taking infield practice. Like I literally field it and chuck it over there immediately. Right, right. And I was pretty darn good, but I did completely lose a game for the 2015 Brighton JV baseball team. So I apologize to everyone on that squad. <laughs> but I guess I'm glad it happened. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. It was it was a, a horrific day in well, my in my head, but. I mean, when stuff like that happens to you, though, make you gotta, it can make or break you. You gotta have the presence in mind to, you know, revert back to what you know you can do, right? Yeah. You, you, like you had said, you made it three fourths of the way through the year mm-hmm. with no errors, mm-hmm. and yes, that was a bad game. Mm-hmm. But for Pitiful. the rest of the season, you didn't have any errors. I don't think I did. No. This weekend, I went golfing. Mm-hmm. On the front, I shot a fifty-eight. Which probably would have been a sixty because I took a couple <laughs> mulligans, which is horrible for non you non golfers. That's really bad. On that's the back, I'm, that's what I shot. On this the summer. back, no mulligans. Game. Shot a forty three. Wow, that's a really good game. Same round. Really good back nine, I should say. Redemption is possible. It is possible. I was in my own head on the front. I didn't even get a hot dog at the turn. Could you imagine what oh, I would have shot God. if I got a hot dog? If you sucked down a glizzy at the turn. You'd have been shooting par. It would have been straight birdie juice. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, you're you know the, the you just got to be able to hit that reset button, know what you can do, mm-hmm. understand it, and just execute. Well, yeah, well, this is so relevant to, and the reason I was talking about the mental error thing and the multiplying errors because with a ball, especially at these tournaments this time of year, when the games are moving pretty quick, you know, you have a bucket you, as a pitcher, you have a bucket of balls next to you, so you're yeah. just like grabbing them and firing, and these kids that start to walk, guys, like they just get so down, they just pick up a ball, throw it, ball one, ball two, like, and the next thing you know, it's like. You've walked in three runs in the last two minutes. It's yeah. like, holy cow. Like, it goes so fast. You really got to be able to take a deep breath. And I pride the kids, especially the younger ones, who are able to do that and, uh, like, minimize the damage. Yep. Like, there was a kid I remember on Saturday morning, first game, and I think he ended up walking in, like, four runs in the first inning. And I went up to him after the inning. I was like, dude, that was huge. I was like, because I've seen games get to 10 nothing, 12 nothing in the first inning. I was like, you don't know how important that was that you just minimized yeah. that damage to four runs. I think they ended up winning the game, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can put in work on the bats. That game's Because you could over. tell, yeah, he wasn't getting down. He was really still focused every pitch. And even though he walked guys because he didn't have a lot of practice or experience, he stayed locked in and, and got it done. There you go. That's so, all it takes. That's all it takes, man. Mental errors will absolutely kill you. They really will. I, I can't remember too many, like, physical errors that I honestly made in baseball. Most of them were mental things where you're you're thinking about stuff, overthinking. Like, the plays that you make, you don't think twice about. The plays that you don't make are the ones when the balls hit at you and you're like, oh, gosh. Like me in right field on opening day in wiffle ball. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't caught a pop-up in five months. That You guys saw it right there. Two errors in a row. Yeah. That first error, it was physical, but it was also kind of mental because, like I said, I had no practice and I was like, uh, this is sketchy. I, never play, I don't play outfield anymore in wiffle ball. At the time, I didn't. Second one was 100% mental. I was like, yeah. I'm going to drop this, and I, I, and I dropped it. You know what I mean? Sports, that's, how it go- that's how it goes. Sports are like that, man. I mean, it's, it's so much conf- it's baseball. So, it's so much about game. confidence. I mean, you don't have to if like you don't have to be the biggest kid. You don't have to no. be the fastest kid. But if you got the right attitude and the right confidence, you can, you can be a player uh, in whatever sport it is. Yeah. 
Wiffle ball, wiffle ball is hard because I feel like, I don't know, baseball is 100% a confidence thing. Like, I've never done anything in my life that is more confidence related. Not that I've played that many of other sports. Probably say the about, same thing about basketball, like your shooting is all confidence and that kind of thing. But baseball, like, there was stretches. JV, I was talking about my hitting is mediocre. JV, I did hit the ball pretty good. Yeah. And I remember playing against Howell, and I had a, that was when I was really hot at the plate. And like I said, I hadn't made an error. That was before the Northville thing, <laughs> before mm-hmm. the errors. And um, I remember going up there. Um, I was pitching this game too, I think, but like I had gotten like a single to start the game. Then my next at bat was a double, and it was like a, I was once again I was like skin and bones. I was such a skinny little kid, <laughs> and I hit like a really deep ball, and I was that's when I was starting to like get a little stronger, just from working out. And I was starting to grow finally, so I hit a ball pretty deep to the fence, and I was like so confident. And my next at bat, I was already two for two. Maybe I was two for three at the time. I might have been like out and then hit hit. But anyway, I was really like so confident. And this sticks out in my head because I had many of these moments, but this one especially because I was like I said, I was pitching good. I was playing awesome in the field. I had already hit two hits and I had a far hit. Next at bat, literally first pitch, like I knew I was gonna stroke the ball. First pitch, it was it wasn't even a strike, it was outside, but I just hit a rocket again, third hit of the day. Let's go. But then I had plenty of days too where I didn't get any hits. Right. Like it's such a confidence thing. Like that at bat. There was no way I was getting out. I knew in my head that before it even happened that I was about to get a hit. I feel like you with, execute. I feel like one thing that's different um, with baseball in terms of the confidence is mm-hmm. that the umpires can play a little bit more role than mm-hmm. refereeing, and sometimes maybe in basketball, if they're not ca- calling fouls yeah. that are fouls or vice versa. Mm-hmm. But if you're a batter and you feel like you know. You're hitting good balls at the plate, and then mm-hmm. you get a couple where it's like the ump kind of makes a bad oh, call. You think it's outside. Yeah. Then now it's just like it's got to be just like frustrating up there. So in your head, where it's like, what do I even? What do I swing um, at now? Where is can, this ball? Umps can turn you into a bad hitter, right? Especially at like the high school level when they're calling a bigger zone. Like yeah, exactly. Forcing you to swing at balls. It I mean, I'm, I would imagine at the pro level it gets in their head a little bit, but these guys are professionals and yeah. can figure it out. Mm-hmm. But at the high school level. You know, it's a, it's a different ball game, and the umpires mm-hmm. are probably not as good, uh, y- mm-hmm. obviously. Um, so I, I feel like that could factor into a hitter's confidence, like, big time. Absolutely, I agree. Confidence, I mean, it, it does help for infielding, too, but I can remember also balls, like, that were hit at me, and I was, like, surprised I made the play. Where, like, in baseball, hitting, for me at least, I was never that good of a hitter, and a lot of it just came from practice and reps. But, like, if I wasn't confident going up there, I'd say I would be 10% like productive where i was confident probably closer to 50 percent. you know what i mean so i don't know crazy game and it translates over to wiffle ball pretty accurately too um you see guys hit like multiple home runs in a series or multiple in an inning or like pitchers who are just on fire and like everything's hitting the pipe in the corners like it's just such a confidence thing sports in general are totally i don't know about how's about lacrosse does that translate to there as well or not so much um yes for sure like any sport i mean specifically like for me um taking face-offs which is all i do um it's it's all confidence like if you are Mm -hmm. confident in your reaction to the whistle and you're confident in your technique it's Mm -hmm. that's it's the only way you're going to succeed you can't you could maybe you know if you were a if you were a decent um shooter or or a decent defender you could maybe like not be that confident but your athletic ability kind of pulls you through mm-hmm. and in face-offs if you're not confident you're not going to be able to get anything done the guy's going to be faster than you and it's it's just not going to go your way do you have you ever had moments like in lacrosse or with football where like 
moments where you didn't feel confident but you were still successful or is that pretty rare for you? Because I'd say for me it's extremely rare. Um, I would say in wiffle ball <laughs> only <laughs> in the game. very beginning of my career because mm-hmm. I was not confident like at all, especially after the first probably, I don't know, five at-bats. And I get, I bet you I struck out every time because I was swinging at everything. Mm-hmm. But it just took one lucky, lucky swing on a slider to be like, oh, I can hit that pitch. Like mm-hmm. when I see that one again, I know where to swing and that I can hit it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's like if I go up there and I'm not confident, I'm not really doing anything. That's actually been sort of like a focus of mine. Uh, this mm-hmm. year especially is just to really get in the right mental headspace going up to the plate. Yeah, I think, which is funny, I think I had a realization this weekend of like the, the importance of um, like a rhythm at the plate and the mm-hmm. timing. I think, I mean, you guys have seen me hit in the first nine games of our season. I've been hitting okay, just okay. Not not bad, but not like I'm, I'm no Jimmy Norp out there, Kyle yeah. Schultz, quite yet. But this weekend... You know, the last, on Sunday, I was really focused on my timing against these two pitchers because I felt like I was going up there with no plan, and I was like, this is never going to work. Yep. And in that game, I, uh, they, were, they were throwing, it wasn't like they were, like, studs, but they were good pitchers. They were throwing decently fast, decent movement. They were kind of all over the place, so it was, like, difficult to, like, pick out a pitch. You know what I mean? You were kind of yeah. looking for walks up there. But in that game, I hit an absolute moonshot that was caught in center field. But I hit it oh. as... I hit it as hard as you possibly could, but it was just <laughs> super high. Mm-hmm. I just skied it, but it was absolutely smoked. And then later in the game, I hit a grand slam over the fence. Hey, so I, I'm thinking I may have, I may have, something may have clicked Found in my in my brain bit. this weekend. Yeah, with the timing. I think it, with anything in life, but sports, you got to have some sort of a plan. I mean, there's obviously reaction stuff based, but mm-hmm. in wiffle ball. Like I said, you know, that's been a focus of mine this year is to go up there in the right mental headspace, but also to go in there with a plan and and do the film work, you know, mm-hmm. do the stuff behind the scenes to figure out what that plan is, go in with a strategy, be confident in the strategy, mm-hmm. and then try to execute. I think, like, part of the realization I had, too, is, like, with a ball, I 100% I have a plan. Don't think I'm going up there and being like, oh, I hope I get a hit yeah. here. Like, no. Yeah. There's a lot of thinking going on, for sure. Of course. But I think what I'm very focused on is my pitch selection and pitch recognition and then just contact just right. that that's like in my head i'm trying to make contact with this ball because like i can beat out a ground ball to the left side you don't right. need to hit the ball extremely hard to get a home run at our at the meadows compared to these tournaments but i think i need to put more emphasis on like my swing is so bad now or even right-handed like compared to when i was playing baseball where i had a really good swing mm-hmm. so i think i need to put more emphasis on that moving forward in my in my wiffle career how do you make your swing better what does that look like I feel like it doesn't really matter what your swing. It looks doesn't like need to look. It doesn't need to look good necessarily, but it needs to be more with intent to hit the ball hard. You gotta you swing I mean? harder. That and like, don't just try and throw my hands at it. Like, like just like take this ball. It. Like, I actually have a plan to drive this ball somewhere. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, don't just try to stick my hands out and like hit a dribbler, like I did left-handed. And I've kind yeah. of been doing right-handed. My swing path is definitely better right-handed, but like compared to where I was in high school, like it's you know garbage. Like my rotation of yeah. my upper body is way too much. I can see, I know how bad it is, so don't critique me too much. But you see, like I don't even, I don't even have, I don't even think about. Like I have a pitch selection definitely, and I'm you have thinking a good, about the pitches. You have a good launch angle. Well, to be honest, I just kind of, I I wait for the pitch that I want, and I try to hit it as hard as I can. Yeah, but that works sometimes. Yeah. 
that's what I, I've realized too with um, the Mal in our first nine games. You know, we've the games we've won have been via the home run ball, mm-hmm. and that's what I need to focus more. I'm not saying I want to just only hit home runs, but I need to have more intent to hit the ball hard instead of just putting the ball in play. That's what I'm trying to say right okay. now. I just put it into words better okay. this, this time around speaking that about it. That makes more sense. I need to focus on more of hitting the ball hard instead of just putting the ball in play. You okay. know what I mean? Because you, what you're saying is you're getting, you're making contact, but they're still getting the out. Yeah, or just or, or, I'm, I'm, or, I'm, or I'm, or I'm foul. Yeah, you guys don't see all the, right. the whole at bats, but I, you, Jack, can attest this. I do battle. Yeah, I take counts deep. Grinder. I fall off a lot, and I'll sometimes I'll get ground ball singles. Sometimes I'll hit the ball to the pitcher. Sometimes I'll hit a ball out of the park, but more often than not, it's foul balls and it's grounders or it's you know balls that are, I'm like fighting off and it gets popped up. I need mm-hmm. to have more intent to. Drive the ball hard instead of just putting it in play. There. I think I think of like you just saying that an intent to drive the ball. The first person mm-hmm. I thought of was Nick Saylor. Yes, because I feel like he almost doesn't even care where the ball is. Mm-hmm. He just has such a violent, <laughs> like purposeful mm-hmm. swing that he is trying to hit the ball out mm-hmm. of the park every time. And if he gets over top of it. It's still like a hard grounder. Yeah, and he, that's what he's doing is he, like, obviously he has his pop ups, mm-hmm. but he's really just trying to crush the ball. Like he's literally yeah. trying to break it. Mm-hmm. That's what you should do. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't work for everybody, but I think it's it's a difference maker in ball games. You can't deny that a home run doesn't change the game. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll leave it at that. Let me know what you guys think of that approach. I think in 2017. Us as the Mallards had a great balance of the home run ball versus the base knocks. I had Noah on my squad. I don't have Noah anymore. Someone's got to be a power hitter. I think it's got to yeah. be me here in this in the second half of the season. So I don't know. I think I'll leave it at that, Jack. You got anything else today? Um, I don't think so. All right, Pod Squad. Well, we are now 59 episodes deep officially, which brings us to another milestone next week, episode 60. We'll be for sure to give you guys a summary of the epic tournament coming up this weekend. I believe this will be the unofficial largest wiffle ball tournament ever held within the Michigan the Michigan borders. Wow. So I think we're going to have around 58 teams out there. So Unreal. It's going to be wild. So I'm looking forward to it. Mr. Mark Schultz and Kyle Schultz are putting together the schedule right now for that event. As so we speak. Uh, looking forward to seeing you guys out there. This is Pipe It Up. We'll see you next week. See you, boys and girls. <laughs> Also, boys and girls, how could I forget? I met a couple Pipe Up listeners this weekend. I don't know if I already said that already, but shout out to everyone tuning in. It was great meeting you guys. Um, and then I also got to say a happy birthday to Paul. I got a DM from Paul, a listener. And it's his birthday on Wednesday. So, Paul. Happy birthday, shout Paul. Shout out to you. Another year on this earth to celebrate. Um, if you had a great year, congrats. I hope you enjoyed it. And I, and I hope the future is bright, too. But if you didn't have such a great year, now you're turning the calendar. There you go. So, fresh start. Make something happen. All right, we'll see you guys.